lovely to see you all. Can you hear me? Yeah? It's always weird. The sound up here always sounds a bit muffled. Um, James sends lots of love to, um, to everybody he has done. He's had an amazing time in Poland. He has um, been in wonderful meetings and doing outreaches every single day and night. So I don't think he's going to come back refreshed, but <laughs> um, I trust on the plane ride back, I just pray that God just fills him up. But he has, he's literally just been giving out um, day after day. But he's had a wonderful time. He said um, it's been such a privilege to just see God um, doing beautiful things in that wonderful nation of Poland. So is anybody here who has Polish origins? Anyone from Poland? Yay, there you go, Eva. <laughs> so um, he's there representing you. <laughs> and uh, and um, God is doing beautiful things among um, a very precious people group there. So, friends, I've got the, the privilege of sharing some of, um, I believe, God's thoughts with us this morning about his, um, his heart for us. And I just, I felt in worship that um, before we get into it, I just, I had the sense of, have you ever had a splinter or a stone embedded in a, in a part of your body? If you've ever had a stone in your shoe, but you've had to keep walking. Who's, who's ever had that sensation? Okay, so you can all relate, all right? Or a splinter in your finger, all right? And I just, I, I kept seeing the stone and the splinter, and I was like, Lord, what is that? And I felt God say, I love you all so much, and I'm contending for your hearts today. I'm contending for your hearts today, because my sense was that he was saying, there are certain beliefs that we have held onto that are like a stone or like a splinter. And until those things are removed, we, we, we cannot live in the fullness that he so readily and wants to pour out to us and, and what he wants to include us in. There's so much that he wants to draw us into. There's so much he wants to pour through us. We've been speaking and singing about wanting, wanting a move of God, wanting to be part of seeing revival break out. We, we want to be a part of that. We, we declare every Sunday when we get together, Lord, we are world changers. And I feel like God is saying the word that he's given me today is the how. It's the, it's the how to remove those last vestiges of, of, of splintering lies, all right, and stones that, that make us stumble, lies that cause us to, to kind of limp along when we should be flying with the Lord. And so I'm going to ask you to just really open your hearts and hear what the Holy Spirit has to say today, because I really feel that if we'll embrace what God is saying and we'll just kick to the curb these, these, these old thoughts that have no place in the heart of a child of God, then I really believe that, that God is going to be able to just pour out what he has promised he will. Sound good? Okay, so, so let's 
kick some holy cows and some things to the curb, all right? So that's, that's what we're going to do. So if I'm saying something and you're like, oh, that's really uncomfortable or Ooh, I don't know why that's, that's irritating me, just hang in there, okay? Because God is after our hearts today. All right, okay. So um, we are looking at this beautiful um, core value that um, we are generous like my father. Say that with me. Say generous like my father. Okay, so I just want to tell you that right now, Josie, your dad, your dad is living in the fullness of God's generosity. Right now, your father is experiencing life in a way that we do not even understand. He is living in the fullness of all the promises that God made to him. He is alive. He is well. He is experiencing joy and peace and love at a level that none of us can experience here on earth. He is living in the fullness of God's generosity. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants you to remember that when you think of him. Think of him alive and well. And know that you will see him again. It is a beautiful hope that we have in Jesus. Honestly, I, I believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is generosity personified. I don't think we can describe generosity in any, any better terms than looking at what Jesus did for us. So I'd love us to um, just recap. And um, so Jess, if you can get the slides going. Slide one um, is what we looked at, is what James looked at in week one. And it was that God is extra extravagantly generous and our generosity is a response and a reflection of him. He is a good father who gives good gifts to his children. In week two, we looked at the thread of God's generosity weaves through his creation, his covenants, Israel's economics, the gospel, and the kingdom. And if we just stop there for a moment, it says the thread of God's generosity weaves through his creation. And if you just look outside right now, we know it's fall, okay? You look at all those leaves, and I always just stop and I'm amazed because I just think God you didn't need to create as extravagantly as you did, right? You really didn't. And you didn't need to make leaves when they're dying look so beautiful. You didn't need to do that. And you didn't need to make birds' feathers as glorious as you did, right? And they just fall out. I mean, if I made something that beautiful, I'd be like, did you see that? <laughs> Keep it. <laughs> That's a treasure, right? And he's just like, you know, and the birds, they're just like, they just lose their feathers, you know, and we walk over and pick them up and we admire them because we see the beauty and the glory in, in a feather. God's extravagance is everywhere. It's everywhere. He could have made the world black and white, right? We wouldn't have known the difference, but he didn't because wherever he goes, there's light and light is made up of color right? It's just so beautiful. He didn't need to create music, but he did. 
He did. He is extravagant in every single way. If we just look at um, his generosity woven through the covenants, you know, we, we can have this wrong idea that God is, is somehow demanding and unfair. He wants so much from me. Can't he just give me a break, right? I've heard all of these statements, and you're like, oh my gosh, don't we understand? In the covenants, it is God himself breaking into man's history. And do you know what he does in those covenants? He does what no other party coming into a covenant did. Usually, a covenant was made with two either equal parties or one very powerful party who had conquered another, or there was a greater and a lesser, but there were always demands made on both. And when we look at the, the covenant that God uh, um, cuts with Abraham, here is God Almighty breaking into history, and he comes in and he says to Abraham, you can never fulfill your side of this covenant, so I'm gonna put you to sleep, I'll do it all. And he does the same with Jesus. I know you can't possibly fulfill the law. I know you can't possibly do what is needed to be my partner in this world. I'll do it all. That's his generosity woven through the covenants. When we look at Israel's economics, um, if, you, if you go and you study the law, instead of studying the law as this burdensome, awful thing, see what God's heart was through it. Right? The, the law was there as a mirror to show us our problem, but to also show us that the solution was never going to be within ourselves. Right? But throughout the law, throughout the way God chose to work with Israel, he was speaking to them about what he wanted their hearts to be like regarding resources. He wanted their hearts to be for him, not for blessing. He wanted their hearts to be focused on his purposes, not worrying about their own well-being. All the way through, he's depicting what this relationship, this partnership needs to look like. And then we see in the gospel, as I said, I, honestly, I, the gospel for me personifies generosity. Jesus pouring out his life, literally, for us. And then the kingdom. We know that uh, in God's kingdom, it says that, that he, has, he has blessed us with every blessing, that everything we need, he has made available to us. So today, we're moving on to the third aspect of this core value, saying that we are generous like our Father. And uh, if you just look at that slide, it says, God has blessed us in every way so that we can be generous in every way to advance the gospel, joyfully giving our time, affection, talents, and money enables him to trust us with the true riches of the kingdom. Can we read that together? <clears throat> so let's read. Is it up there? Yeah? Sorry, I, I can't see around the walls there. All right, so let's read it together. God has blessed us in every way so that we can be generous in every way to advance the gospel. Joyfully giving our time, affection, talents, and money enables him to trust us 
with the true riches of the kingdom. Can we read that one more time? God has blessed us in every way. Why? So that we can be generous in every way. Why? To advance the gospel. Joyfully giving our time, affection, talents, and money enables him to trust us with the true riches of the kingdom. That's a huge statement. It means there's a whole lot of responsibility we need to take as his children if we are earnest about living in the fullness of what he says he's called us to live in. Does that make sense? It's, it's a tough one sometimes to swallow. It's a difficult one. But it's really important, and we're going to look at what Scripture says and, um, and uh, just where God's leading us uh, through this. So we're looking at the why. We're looking at why does our generosity or our lack thereof determine the access we get to true spiritual riches? Why is it that the way we use and the way we look at money either unlocks or prevents us from accessing the full riches, favor, and breakthrough that we're all longing for. Why is that? Why is there this thing? And this is not something we're making up. Jesus talks about this. We're going to see this same principle. It's in the Old Testament and it's in the New. So we're going to look at a couple of scriptures, and I'm going to ask you to just follow the progression through with me. If we, um, if we just look at slide four, I just wrote there, I said, Scripture describes there being a direct or causal link between what happens in the physical or visible world and what happens in the spiritual or unseen realm. There is a direct causal link between what we choose to do and what we get to live in. Now, I just want to say off the bat, this is not the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel flies in the face of everything that God actually says. It is an insult to Jesus Christ. And you can hear how passionate I am about that. I detest that. Not the people, because they are just deceived who live in it. And God loves them, and I pray that they get revelation of his truth. But I detest that teaching because the prosperity gospel basically says you can manipulate God. If you give $50, you'll get that job you were looking for, right? If you give this like that, it, God does not work like that. We are not talking about that this morning. We are talking about the God of the universe who adores us, who poured his life out for us, and he's after our hearts. And the reason he's after our hearts is because we have a purpose. We have a mandate to fulfill in this time. The hour is now. Right? There is an urgency. We are, are surrounded by people that are absolutely blind. It's the blind leading the blind out there. And you know that. We see the confusion. Right? And God's heart is for every one of those people going, I made them. 
I've made a way for them to know me. They have no idea what life is. They have no idea how much I adore them. But if we can't get our hearts right, we can't access what we need to be able to be the very representatives he's asked us to be. Does that make sense? And, and that's why he's saying, let's look at these scriptures together. All right, so this is not the prosperity gospel. Am I clear on that? Okay, <laughs> please, all right? So if, if, if that thought comes in, just chuck it right out. All right, let's look at uh, slide five. So let's look at Luke. We've been looking at the scripture for the last two weeks. And um, I'm just going to look at uh, Luke 10 to 13. Um, it should be up there. It says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little um, also will be dishonest with much. If you have not been, here's the direct link between the visible and the invisible. If you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. This is Jesus speaking. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus is saying to us, the way we treat and we steward our money, our resources, are the qualifies us to live with true spiritual riches or not. It sounds so, you, you kind of go, why? He's, he's not talking about you have to sell everything. He's not saying money is bad. He's saying, who has your heart? Where, where are our hearts? Because he's saying, if, if, if we're holding on to any resources, it can, it's not just money, it can, be, it can be time. Money is very important, and, and this, money is a direct causal link here. But, but it, it's resources, it's, t it's our time, it's our affection, it's our gifts, it's our talents, it's our creativity, right? our ability to help one another, our willingness to do so. I think we're all in this room because we're longing to see increased influence. We're all longing to see breakthrough. We're all longing to see salvations and healings, to have these creative solutions that will have a huge impact in the world. Imagine if, if God gave us the ability within this room, ideas that help to eradicate poverty. Why not? Right? There, there's so much that God is wanting to pour through us and these, 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 these wrong thoughts, these little splinters and stones, so often are keeping us from living in the fullness of that. And we, we don't know why. And today God is saying, this might be the reason why. Will you be willing to look at it with me? So let me just be really clear here. How we handle and think about resources in this realm affects breakthrough in the unseen realm. That's probably the good summary of where we're at right now. So how we handle and think about our resources here and now in this worldly realm affects breakthrough in the unseen realm. 
So if we look at, um, if we go to Malachi, here's a very contentious scripture. <laughs> and this is one of the things where I just felt God say, today, I want to put this thing to bed. I don't want this to be an issue in my church any longer. Okay, so, Ken, so here's, here's one of the, the wrong understandings. Here's one of those thoughts that is that stone, it's that splinter, it's the thing that just keeps our hearts from being fully his. And so work with me here. If this has been an issue for you, and let's, let's get rid of this thing once and for all. So let's look at Malachi. God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord. There is no other place in scripture where God invites us to come and test him. In fact, we're told not to. <laughs> and here he goes, come on, bring it on. <laughs> like you just try and outgive me, right? This, it's so beautiful. Look what he says. He says, um, will I not... Open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. And then he says, then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations, here's the why, all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So here in Malachi is this promise. God's talking about this thing called the tithe. The tithe was bringing 10% of whatever you earn, whatever you gain, all right? It is giving God the first 10% of everything that comes in. We're talking about, follow along with me here, we're talking about obedience, living in what God says, being a natural link, to us living in the fullness of God's provision, spiritual blessing, and abundant breakthrough, okay? So, the tithe, so often we think is like the pinnacle, but God says it's the starting point. This is where we begin, right? There's much more after this. And, um, whew, God himself is inviting us to come and find out what is on the other side of this, if we'll embrace it? Many people say that tithing is obsolete because we find it in the Old Testament. I just want us to run through for two minutes where it comes from because there is nothing obsolete about God wanting us to be a generous people. So, the first time we see a tithe taking place, some would uh, argue, is when Abraham, who God has broken into history and encountered, Abraham goes through this battle, he gets the spoils of war, and he's, he's coming home with all of it, and he meets this very interesting man called Melchizedek. And Melchizedek is um, a type of Christ, which means he is like a, he is an example of who Jesus will be. Some argue he was Jesus 
um, before he was incarnated, as, as, before the incarnation, as a man. But Melchizedek's names suggest that there, God is trying to show us something about the Redeemer and the Savior to come, but he's also trying to, he's tr showing us something about our relationship with him. So Melchizedek's name means the King of Righteousness, all right? We know who the King of Righteousness is. And he, he is the King of Salem, which means the King of Peace, all right? So right there, the names themselves indicate that he has something to do with, or he is certainly representing Jesus. And, um, and Abraham, he, he actually, Melchizedek comes out to meet Abraham, and he brings him bread and wine, and he brings him blessing. And there's a whole teaching that goes with it, and it's fascinating. But the thing that we need to see here is Abraham's response to this high priest who comes and blesses him. Abraham's response is, here is a tenth of everything that I have. I lay it down before you. He's saying, you are my Lord, right? I am submitted to you. That's the first time we see it. It's totally voluntary. Isn't that beautiful? It's Abraham understanding high priest, king of righteousness, king of peace, 10% of what I have, yours. No law involved, completely voluntary. 400 years later, we have Moses been raised up by God. Between Abraham and Moses, we have the beautiful Israelite people who have been in slavery in Egypt, and God brings them, um, brings them out of Egypt. And here's what happens. God brings them out of Egypt, not as slaves, and they don't come out of Egypt poor. We often gloss over this part of the story, but when God brings the Israelites out of Egypt, they have been given the wealth of Egypt as they go. You've got a million strong people who are walking out of captivity with everything that they need to set up a new life for themselves. It says the Egyptians gave them their gold, gave them their animals. Okay, just imagine a million people, right? I mean, that's, that's slightly over the population of Mississauga. <laughs> imagine a million, imagine the entire Mississauga and then some, maybe Georgetown and Milton and a couple of other places thrown in, Oakville, right? All of us, all right? And we're, we're leaving, and the people that we're leaving who have been our captors are giving us gifts as we go. That's what, that's what happened. God's favor was so on these people that they left with all the spoils and they go into the desert and the God of the universe has rescued them and they've seen the sea part and they've, they've watched him deliver them and they are wealthy. And do you know what they do with that wealth? A couple of days into the desert, they build a golden calf. There is always a purpose that comes with God's provision. And we always, like they did, have a choice. And the choice is this. Will I 
offer, like Abraham freely did, starting with the tithe, and then anything else my God might require of me. Will I use my resources in that way? Because my heart is his. He's my deliverer. He's my strong tower. He's my provider. I have nothing to fear. I live for him. Or will we take those resources, our time, our talents, our giftings, and our money, and will we build for ourselves idols? Because there's only one of two ways to live. And the Israelites should have been on what, what some historians think is at most an 11-day journey before they got into the promised land. And they had all the resources they needed to start their new, free, amazing life in the promised land. And do you know what their purpose was? It wasn't just to enjoy a land of milk and honey. It was to be God's representatives on the earth so that through him, through them, just like it was through Abraham and then through them, all nations would be blessed. That was the purpose behind it. What did they do instead? They built a golden calf. And God had to wait 40 years for that entire generation to die off because their hearts were full of stone. They had no concept of who they were and what God had given them. It is tragic. And guys, we do the same thing. And we moan and we crumble and we complain and we say that God is unfair to ask us to tithe, right? What are we thinking? That's the starting point. And I just feel like God say, oh, if my church will get this, test me on it and see what I won't pour out, right? And when he pours it out, it's not for us to build a calf with, right? It's for his purposes so that the nations can be reached, so that people can know their loving and faithful and amazing God who 2,000 years ago made a way so that every person on this earth can be part of his kingdom. So it's our call to action, right? God is asking us today, settle it, settle it. Where will you use your resources? He's not forcing us. He never does. He doesn't need our resources. <laughs> there is. But he does want our hearts. When the Bible talks about our hearts, our hearts are the seat of thought and emotion. So he wants our thinking to line up with his thinking and our emotions to line up with his. There is a will to reach. There is purpose in his provision. We can trust him on this. He will always take care of us. He is faithful to the end. But he cannot pour out to us and through us if our hearts are not fully his. And our hearts are not fully his if we hold on to these wrong understandings that sadly have crept into the church. And I think it's rendered the church worldwide 
relatively ineffective when actually we should be the powerhouses on earth. Jesus says, um, if we can't get this right, how can he possibly entrust us to steward the spiritual riches and favor that we desperately need to get the job done? And so he's calling us today. He's going, you're generous like your father. Be generous like the father. Trust me. He cares more about our well-being than we do. <laughs> he really does. In 2 Corinthians, and we'll end with this, 2 Corinthians 9, Paul is speaking. And he says, now the point is this. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one should give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or from compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to cause all grace to abound to you so that in everything, at all times, because you have enough of everything, you may overflow in every good work. Can you hear his heart there? It's so beautiful. We're the only ones that are holding back. From God's side, he holds nothing back. Let's read that scripture together. Is it up on the screen there? Um, let's read it. It says, now the point is this. Can we read it together? Let's just read it out loud. It's declaring scripture is so beautiful. It just Sometimes it's what's needed to go from here to here. All right, so let, let's just read this out together. Now the point is this. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. I think your one probably starts from each one. And the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Here we go. Each one should give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or from compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to cause all grace to abound to you, so that in everything, at all times, because you have enough of everything, you may overflow in every good work. What a promise, eh? What a promise. So, I, I hope that this morning has just been helpful in just laying out plainly there is a link between what we do in the visible and what happens in the spiritual. There is a link. Jesus says it and the Father has said it all throughout Scripture. There is a link between how we steward our resources and what we get to live in fully in the kingdom. There is purpose in God's provision. And this is not about how much money we have. Whether we have much or whether we have little, the only issue is how do we think about those resources 
And what do we choose to do with those resources? That's the key. God is going at our attitude and our beliefs about those resources because he's saying, everything I have is yours. Will you make everything that I have given you, created you to be, and put at your disposal, will you make that available to the kingdom so that my purposes can stand and you get to partner with me in that? What an invitation, eh? It's absolutely beautiful. So I was like, Lord, what do you want us to do? And the beautiful thing um, in God is this, and, and we're closing with this. When in Scripture we read it and we realize that we don't line up with it, we don't need to get rebaptized. Okay, we were talking about that in the Christian Foundations uh, class this week. It's such fun. I wish all of you were doing it. We're having a blast. And, um, and we were talking about the fact that when we make a mistake, now you don't have to recommit your life to Jesus. You don't have to get baptized again. You don't have to jump through any hoops. The Bible tells us there is one thing we do. If we are saved and we're, we're going through Scripture and we realize Lord, I'm so sorry. I, I am not living according to the way you say. The one thing he says to us to do, it's simply repent. Okay? And repent simply means I was walking in this direction, I turn around, and I walk in this one. All right? It's, it's to change one's mind. So if this morning any of this has resonated with you, God is for you. I know, it's, honestly, when I, was, when I was putting this preach together, I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus. Like, there were so many things. I was just like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, why did I doubt you? Oh, my gosh. And just, just realizing, right? And we have the beautiful Holy Spirit. He is with us to help us. And he's not condemning us. There's no condemnation. But if, if you are realizing this morning Lord, this thing of tithing, it's the starting point. It's the kindergarten, <laughs> right, of the kingdom, right? We want to at least start there and then grow from that point on. If that thing has been an issue, please just open your heart wide and just say, Lord, I'm choosing to repent. Because God says, test me on it. Right? So let's, let's do that. Let, let that be the starting point. But, but so much more than that. God loves a cheerful giver. So let us be people who open our hearts wide and go, Lord, every resource, everything that makes me me, everything that I have, I put at your disposal because we have a purpose. Right? And we can't reach the nations without provision. <laughs> we, can't, we can't do any of this without resources. But God says there's more than enough amongst all of us if we will knit our hearts to his. All right? So no fear of lack. Lord, we trust you. We fix our eyes on you. Can we pray? All right. And as we pray, if you need to repent, please just do that with your precious Lord. All right. Whew. Father, thank you for pursuing us and for never letting us go. Thank you that you are continually working, Lord, with us, in us. You long to work through us. 
Lord, I thank you that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity today for us to just realign ourselves with your truth. We want to walk wholeheartedly with you, Lord. We want to put everything that we are at your disposal, Lord. We don't want anything to have our heart except you. Lord, where we have squandered resources and in effect just built some useless golden calves, we repent, Lord. And we choose today, Lord, to lay everything that we are and everything that we have at your feet. And we say, Lord, please count us in. We want to be a part of truly building your kingdom, bringing your wonderful kingdom here on earth, that the world would know that there is a Savior who adores them. Lord, I pray that the truth that has gone out will not be robbed. I pray that we won't just leave and forget. I pray, Lord, that what has been of you would stay and go deep and take root and we would be a changed people. We bless you and we thank you for your patience with us, Lord, and your kindness towards us. And I bless this precious church in your name, Jesus. And I thank you for counting us in and allowing us to be a part of your purposes here on earth at this time. We bless you, we praise you, we honor you, Jesus. In your mighty name. Amen. Wonderful. Love you guys. I didn't... <laughs> You're good.